Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the BizCast. I'm Shannon King. So I want to start off this episode by telling you about what's going on at CBIA right now. We recently launched our Rebuilding Connecticut Pledge. After an extraordinary year, Connecticut is fighting back. Workers, innovators, and local businesses across the state are leading the way to Connecticut's economic recovery. If you're a weekly listener of the pod, you know this from all the stories we've been sharing since March. The pledge includes a package of common sense ideas that provide support to essential state services while creating a positive climate for job growth and making critical investments in our infrastructure and our cities. Ask your local public officials and candidates running for office if they've signed the pledge. Visit CBIA.com and click on our Hot Pink Action Center to find out who represents you. I actually reached out to a few officials this week, and I got a yes from a candidate the other night, so I've already made an impact. And while you're at it, make sure you sign the Rebuilding Connecticut Pledge yourself at bit.ly slash rebuildingct. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash rebuildingct. You can find all these links in the show notes. And now, on to the episode. This week, I had the pleasure of talking to Neil Keating, former president and CEO of Command Corporation, located in Bloomfield. Neil has been retired for a month now, but will remain on the board of directors for another year. I asked Neil about the highlights and challenges of his 13-year career at Command, what the future of Connecticut's business climate looks like to him, and what advice he would give to his younger self. If you've never had the chance to talk to Neil, this conversation is great insight into how compassionate, driven, and focused he is. I hope you enjoy this special conversation. And if you do, please rate, review, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, here's Neil Keating. So, Neil, uh, you've been at command for 13 years now, but actually, yeah, but actually, I wanted to go a little further back than that. Um, Can you tell me about your career as a whole? So, where you started out? what you studied in school and how you got to command as president and CEO. Sure. Um, you know, <clears throat> it, uh, it started really when I was young, uh, the path, because, you know, I, I was born in 1955. I grew up with the, with the, uh, the Gemini and Apollo space programs. Uh, you know, it was just, I was so intrigued, um, when when you saw people you know eventually go to the moon and and come back and what you know it was just it it we had so many heroes in those days so it really inspired me to be an engineer um so i i i knew i was blessed early on i knew i wanted to be an engineer i went to undergraduate school at university of chicago uh studied uh, and actually did graduate um with an electrical engineering degree and then went to work for a, a company that was in industrial automation. It was uh, named Allen Bradley, and um, and now they are Rockwell Automation. It's it's the mother company of Rockwell Automation. And so uh, I had a chance to do a couple different things. I, I had a chance to learn uh, across different industries, whether it was uh, aerospace, automotive, food and beverage, even utility. Uh, how companies worked, how automation systems worked, and learned a lot about working on the plant floor, trying to improve productivity um, and and improve the levels of automation. So that was really my start. And then uh, I had the opportunity 
to uh, to move up and and worked as a general manager uh, as of one of our global businesses at at a pretty young age actually, and uh, and it it drove home to me that if uh, if I was going to reach my full potential, if I was going to do the best job running a business and helping everyone in that business reach their full potential, that I needed to learn more. Uh, so uh, I went back to school uh, and got my uh, my advanced business degree at University of Chicago, uh, which I think has really helped me throughout my career. And, um, and I, I always loved aerospace. Uh, my dad and I used to lay in the grass at the end of the runway outside the fence at O'Hare at the days that they didn't chase you away and, and watch the airplanes take off. So I had a chance to go to Rockwell Collins, um, famous now because it, it, it's become part of, uh, of UTC and now part of Raytheon, but <clears throat> I, I worked in the uh, Rockwell Collins business and was chief operating officer when we were spun off from Rockwell International. It was a great experience, a, a great company, and uh, and yet always wanted to do something a little bit more. So I went to London and was uh, CEO of GKN Aerospace. Uh, again, now a little bit of a local company with their acquisitions here in Connecticut and uh, worked there for a number of years and, and really enjoyed it. It was a great company, uh, but wanted to come back uh, to the States, came back to the States, actually worked for an industrial distribution firm uh, in, uh, in Orlando, Florida. And, uh, you know, when, when command came knocking, it was kind of interesting because at the time, uh, you know, I, they had a distribution business and a, um, and of course, our aerospace and defense business. So I had kind of the right match for that. I wish I could say, Shannon, it was a, a plan from the outset. Uh, it really wasn't, but um, I was really, uh, I was really blessed through my career to have really terrific role models and, and people to work alongside. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm surprised you didn't become an astronaut or a pilot. Well, <laughs> any, I, I any did learn to there? fly, but <laughs> you, you do know fly. how to do you know how to fly a plane? I, I, I haven't flown uh, since as pilot in command since 1983. So uh, after I could never afford it when I was in college. Uh, when I got <laughs> out, uh, I took flight lessons. So very cool. Okay, so you definitely have a love of the sky and space. Yeah, I just don't think that uh, I don't know that I would have made the cut. For, uh, for the astronaut corps at that time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can understand that. So uh, what has changed at Command during your tenure uh, in terms of uh, business development, product development, uh, even workplace culture, corporate culture? What has changed under your watch that you're really proud of? Yeah. You know, Shannon, I'd like to talk about a few things that have changed, but I'd like to, to start with a few things um, that haven't changed. Um, okay. And I think that the, the, really the, the core values that our company was founded on um, when, when Charlie uh, started Command were, were really uh, respect uh, for each other, uh, excellence, you know, doing the absolute best you can, uh, accountability, so taking responsibility for those actions um, and the people that you're responsible for, uh, creativity, innovation still really core to us uh, and honor. Uh, so uh, those are the things that, that we try to live every day, whether it's when you walk down the hallway here uh, and you see the, the REACH acronym, uh, whether it's when we do our, our uh, annual appraisals, it, you know, it's built into it. So 
I think that those core values have formed the, the really strong foundation, which we've been able to use and mold. Uh, so now, what are the things that have, have changed a little bit? Uh, certainly, we've, we've focused our, our portfolio. When I joined the company, we, we had a music business. Uh, we had a, a, a large industrial distribution business and a, a, an aerospace and defense uh, business. Uh, soon after I joined, um, you know, it was started by by the the action to divest our, our music business was started by the prior CEO Paul Kuhn. Uh, we completed that uh, after I joined the company, and what we really wanted to do was set a long term vision for the company on where we wanted to be and where we thought we had the best opportunity to be successful. And so the changes were that that we've really refocused our portfolio. Uh, a, a little bit over a year ago, we sold our industrial distribution business. So now we are, we are, if you will, back to our roots, Shannon. It, we are a a very focused company. Uh, we we have markets. You know, we we have diverse markets, whether it's aerospace, defense, increasingly medical, um, and also industrials. So we're really focused on engineered products, and and so we've changed our. Our focus both in, in products and markets quite significantly. Uh, I think that we've, uh, we've you know, if, if we look at our, our culture, I think that those, those core values are important to us. Uh, we've taken on some, uh, some additional very important initiatives for us, uh, one being our, our WALK initiative. It's our Women Advocating Leadership at Command. So it's our women's group to, to help us uh, attract, retain, and advance women in our workforce. Uh, we've started what we call our, our Rising Star program. It's a mentoring program that is people can self-nominate uh, across the company because we really do feel that that having role models and mentors is critical to to people reaching their full potential, and that's the only way a company can. Um, you know, we've established the Command Leadership Development Program. You know, Jamie with me today, uh, one of the graduates of that program. So that, uh, you know, I think that we've done a lot to uh, be able to both diversify our workforce and strengthen our workforce. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that That's all great. Uh, I have a million other questions for you, but I'll keep it short. Um, just to touch on the medical side, um, just because it's a very timely question, has anything changed about uh, the medical device um, side of production, particularly during the pandemic, or has it stayed about the same? Were you involved at all in the pandemic medical equipment or uh, responding to that in any way? Actually, uh, we were not uh, specifically with command because our, our production uh, capability was not really well suited for that. But we actually did have a number of employees, um, and and we helped them, of course, uh, that would uh, manufacture uh, face guards and uh, face shields, rather. So uh, you know, it was uh, it was you know a, a kind of a grassroots effort. So uh, we were very proud of that and provided support uh, both in terms of funding and equipment to be able to do that. Uh, but for the most part, it it had a significantly negative impact. The, the pandemic on, on both of our, you know, a, a couple of our key markets, obviously commercial aerospace, uh, but also many of the devices that we make uh, end up uh, in implantable devices, uh, whether it's for pacemakers, pain management, neurostimulation, uh, cochlear implants, and 
and there's really been a, a deferral of, of many elective procedures uh, across the United States and, and, and in Europe where most of those take place. So, you know, it has been a, a negative impact on our business so far, but we do expect that uh, that, that is beginning to return now and, and we expect that it will be uh, stronger in the, in the first half of 2021. Yeah, certainly. Just wanted to ask about that. Um, yeah, it was a, it, you know, we never thought, you know, you diversify your business and, and we never thought that we would have a covariance between commercial air transportation and medical. You know, it, it, it's only a pandemic, I guess, that can cause that. I, yeah, I guess so. Um, it really extraordinary times. Um, so I'm sure you've done a lot of reflecting this year um, in deciding your retirement and uh, now enjoying it. So you have been officially retired since September 8th, so about a month or so, but you are staying on as the board of director uh, chair until next year sometime. Um, so could you share with me uh, a highlight of your career at command uh, and also one of the biggest challenges you had to overcome in the past 13 years? Yeah, the, the highlight, um, you know, has really been working alongside the extraordinarily, you know, talented and committed employees. You know, you, um, sorry. No, but, you're all good. Um, you know, you can, you can think about, um, you know, uh, a new facility we've opened. We can think about a company we've bought and the kind brought and the kind of capabilities that it's uh, it's brought to command overall and how it's made us stronger. Uh, but you know the highlight really has been, you know, pulling into the parking lot in the morning, um, seeing the employees at the cafeteria, having the opportunity to travel to all of our facilities, and you know it's also, you know, one of the great things uh, is that I get to represent all of them. So, yeah, you know, that was, that was really, that's really cool. That's, that's really awesome to hear um, how, how it's really the people. It's the people that really make a difference. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, so on the flip side, biggest challenge that you had to overcome. You know, um, I actually think it's, it's been the last six or eight months um, because that people, you can start to lose that people connection. Uh, and, it, and it's not just across your company if you let it happen, but it's also with your, uh, with your suppliers who are critically important to us and with our customers. So the, uh, that's really been the challenge because when, when you have an issue, you know, if it's with a customer, you're used to, to going and sitting down with the customer. Uh, if, if you have an issue in a plant you're, or, or a success in a plant, more importantly, you're, you're used to going there and sitting down and, and recognizing the employees that have really uh, driven that success. So I think the, the, the last six or eight months have, have really been uh, the most difficult for us because of the, just the broad ranging impacts of, of pandemic. It's, it's not just uh, on our markets, but, you know, it's been in our people, the, the kinds of the, the hard work everybody put in to to establish processes and, and 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 other steps that could assure to the best of our ability that our, our people could come to work and be safe. Um, and you know that we take safety really seriously. You know, in our business, whether it's aerospace, you know, I, one of the things I always ask, you know, have 
Have your kids ever traveled on a commercial airliner? You know, have, have your grandchildren ever traveled on a commercial airliner? You know, people say yes. And I say, well, okay, remember, we make sure that they can get back home safely because of what we do every day. If your son or daughter's in the military, we make sure they can fly their mission and come home to their family safely. You know, now that was kind of extended into our workplace in a more meaningful, in, in, in a different way than, than safety around a piece of equipment. Um, so, you know, it, I think this has been the hardest time. Yeah, that's uh, when you put it that way. It's really uh, interesting how uh, workplace safety is always—it's uh, always probably at the top of your list um, as a priority as a business. But it was like the invisible, the invisible safety that had to exactly. Yeah, um, has command? Uh, what has command implemented in terms of employee safety or? you know, remote work, um, obviously manufacturing, if you're not there, um, yeah. you know, you can't uh, build the helicopter. So uh, what is command implemented in terms of ensuring employee safety and customer safety as well? Sure. You know, one of the, one of the first steps we took, of course, uh, was to be able to uh, facilitate all of our employees that, that could do their jobs remotely uh, to enable them to do it. So, uh, so that they were able to be home with their families and, and especially early on, uh, not, not have any undue threats or risk around their personal safety or, or their family's safety. Um, what we've put in place is, is a series where if you were to come to our facility, you can't right now because you'd be a visitor, but an employee, uh, the first thing is that you go through a temperature check uh, to make sure that, uh, that you don't have a temperature, you're asked the same questions you would be asked at an airport or a hospital or at your dental office. You know, have you been in contact with uh, anyone with COVID-19 or do you, do you exhibit any symptoms? So we have to go through that. Uh, every employee gets a wristband every morning to identify that they've been through that and ask those, answer those questions properly. Uh, once you are in the facility, uh, we, we limit the, the travel areas uh, for people will have uh, their their restroom area specifically for a group of employees. We will have color-coded safety glasses so they stay in that area. So in case we do have an issue, we're able to contract, excuse me, contact trace very quickly. Uh, we also have, uh, as you can imagine, uh, very, uh, you know, extensive sanitation and, and sanitizing and, and cleaning that takes place uh, on a regular basis across all of the facilities. So I, and you know, whether it's the cafeteria, there's no self-serve blinds anymore. Uh, you know, we've taken all of those steps. Um, and I think it's been interesting because we do take uh, safety within our facilities very, very seriously. Uh, Ian Walsh, our new CEO, when I were traveling just last week, and uh, for example, our uh, facility in Jacksonville, Florida has gone over 900 days without a, a lost time injury, which is extraordinary. In Wichita, we're over 700 days. So, um, you know, we, we take it seriously, but this was a very different extension of that. But I think the culture of safety really helped us to be able to successfully implement those procedures. Yeah, absolutely. That's really great to hear. Um, so I'm gonna switch gears a little bit, uh, okay. shifting, shifting to the present. Um, so you're you're still living in Connecticut, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. 
and you've lived here for at least the past 13 years. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. Okay. So uh, what do you love about living in Connecticut? And, uh, you know, what, what are your plans? Are you planning on staying here? Um, you know, we've, we've really enjoyed uh, living in Connecticut. We think it was a, a great place to raise our kids. Our, our son uh, was able to go from, from second grade through, through high school here. <clears throat> He's now a sophomore at University of Miami. Uh, in Miami, and uh, and our daughter was able to go from first grade all the way through high school. So, you know, as a parent, that's what you really wish for. Um, and she's now a freshman at, at Texas Christian in Fort Worth. So, you know, it was a great place to to raise our our children from a personal perspective. Um, it, it's a beautiful place to live, uh, and you know, it, and we've really enjoyed it. Uh, we are we are going to relocate. Uh, we're going to relocate back to Florida, where we moved here from, and and a big driver for that is uh, when uh, when my parents were older, uh, we were able to to move to Chicago to be close to them, and uh, and my my wife's parents will be about forty five uh, minutes from where we will be in Florida. So um, we will uh, keep a, a home here. We have a, a small uh, cottage on a lake. That was part of the deal for the kids because uh, we lived on a lake in Florida when we moved here. Uh, so we will keep that so that uh, both uh, Allison and I and uh, and Megan Jeremiah can come back, have a place we still call home in Connecticut so that they can see their friends and we can see ours as well. Okay, good to hear. So it's not goodbye forever. No, not at all. Okay, good. Good to hear. Um, so on the flip side of that, and you've talked about this a lot um, in your speeches at CBIA events and other interviews, um, what does the future of Connecticut look like to you? And what changes can we make politically, policy-wise, uh, maybe even culturally um, to move forward and create change? You know, Shannon, I think that... <clears throat> You know, the pandemic has has posed a lot of challenges. We know that, and and we we experience it here every day uh, uh, across the the state. So I think that looking forward, you know, we we do have a chance to reset and do some things differently. Uh, I think the greatest strength that we have a number of strengths here in Connecticut. And, and I go back to the workforce. I, I think that our workforce is, is second to none. Uh, you know, I've commented before how everybody talks about Silicon Valley today, but a hundred years ago, people were, were talking about the Connecticut Valley. And, and so, you know, we have so much just legacy, terrific manufacturing companies, insurance companies, health companies. Um, and, and each of those companies provide jobs that, that are so critical uh, to, to all of our citizens in the state. So I think that, uh, you know, we have challenges ahead of us. You know, our, our fiscal situation continues to be dire. It, it is, you know, we are blessed that we had a rainy day fund. We didn't think that it would be, you know, the, that we'd have to build an arc. Uh, but, you know, we do have a rainy day fund to, to get us through the next couple of years, uh, but I think it's going to be hard uh, with commercial aerospace being down for probably two, two and a half years. Uh, that will be difficult. The, the healthcare companies will be under pressure. The insurance companies will be under pressure. Um, so I think that 
we, we have opportunities, but challenges. The opportunities continue to be to invest in our education system here and, and have a workforce that is second to none uh, because that will, that will enable companies to grow here. Uh, I, I also do believe that we need to look at some policy changes uh, that will make it easier for companies to invest for the long term here in Connecticut. Uh, PwC each year does an analysis of uh, attractiveness by country uh, and by state uh, for aerospace. And, uh, and I, I referenced it a couple of years ago uh, when I, I gave the keynote uh, for CBIA in, in January 2019. Uh, but we're, we continue to be middle of the pack. And a part of that is that this in 2020, uh, we're the highest cost of doing business uh, for aerospace companies of any state in the country. So, you know, that includes Hawaii, uh, you know, where, you know, you're like, that's really expensive. So, you know, we're putting our workforce at a disadvantage uh, through some of our, our tax policies uh, and other regulatory policies. So uh, I'd really like to see us take a step back, uh, recognize that, that the very companies that create jobs for our, for our citizens uh, are not the enemy, um, that, that they are a mechanism for helping us improve uh, the, the quality of life uh, in the state. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would absolutely agree with you that workforce and education uh, continue to be critical, um, and attractiveness for uh, manufacturing uh, aerospace in particular um, is also really important for the future of Connecticut. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you can indulge me in uh, one last question, um, and you mentioned it a little bit before. Um, while I have you, uh, what advice would you give to young professionals um, today who want to make a difference and an impact in their organizations? Um, I guess a better question would be, what advice would you give a young Neil Keating just starting out in his career? You know, um, I, I think the most important thing you can do is is make a commitment to uh, to work hard and, and to be prepared uh, and, and to engage with other people in helping you to be prepared and, and to helping them be prepared for what they do. You know, it, it, it's interesting because I, I actually did think about this and, and, and as I reflect back, uh, everybody wants a, a magic bullet. Everybody wants that pill that they take that makes them run fast or do whatever. Um, and it really comes down to, to, to your commitment to training. And, and it really comes down to your commitment to do the hard work, um, to be prepared to learn and, and to make sure that you, you embrace other people, um, that you learn from them, that you learn with them, uh, that you, you identify role models. I've been so blessed with, with role models um, throughout my career, um, but my advice would be to, to really make sure that you recognize that, that it's going to take hard work. Um, you want to have fun along the way, and I, and I always have. Um, but being willing to put the work in, uh, being willing to identify those people that, that have some of those traits uh, that you want to emulate. And, uh, and then 
you know, I, I was asked once, you know, what do you really strive to do? And, 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 and I answered, you know, to get it right every day. Um, and that, you know, that's the advice I, I give, uh, give a young me or the advice I try to give my kids. Yeah, I, I really like that. It's not about being right. It's about getting it right. Yeah. I think I think you would agree with that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, last question, I promise, but it just popped okay. into my head. So what's what's next for you when you uh, leave the board of directors? What's next? Um, you know, I, uh, I'll tell you right now in the short term, um, it's it's really working with Ian uh, Walsh, our, our new CEO. Uh, to make sure that we can have a, a, a really strong transition, and, and he's a he's a terrific leader, and I know he'll he'll be great uh, for our company. Uh, I I actually uh, want to get back to to where I can uh, actively compete in in long distance triathlons, so that would be a plus. Um, I got invited uh, to go out and uh, skydive with the Navy SEALs out in Coronado, so I'll. Uh, I'll go do that, and uh, and the other thing is that education is really important to uh, to Allison and I both. Um, you know, my my parents were immigrants, and and they thought that you know education was the way that that you could be successful. And so, um, you know, we're going to continue. We're, we're very involved in education. We're supporters of, of Covenant Prep here in in uh, in, in Hartford. Uh, Allison serves on the board of Miss Porter School. I'm on the board of uh, Avon Old Farms, and I also serve on the board of uh, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that for uh, for us going forward, um, you know, we'll we'll do some fun things. Uh, certainly, maybe even learn to play golf, something I've put off for 40 years. Uh, but you know, making sure that we can continue to support the importance of education uh, for, uh, for the next generation. Cause you know, it's just absolutely critical for them and, and for our country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't envy the skydiving part, oh, it'll be cool. <laughs> but, but good luck with that. That sounds uh, pretty insane, uh, for a retirement activity. Um, so Neil, thank you so much for sitting down with me for a few minutes today. Um, this was really great to talk with you. Um, you've been just a, an incredible supporter of the business community, uh, such a strong voice, um, and you're just, you know, the nicest guy. So wonderful to talk to. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Appreciate it. For the latest COVID-19 information, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on Facebook. Call us anytime at 860 244 1900. Stay safe out there.